Kia ora everyone, uh, Andy Kaifong uh, here with another podcast for Disrupted. Um, have the pleasure of being out at Rangiora uh, High School in North Canterbury today um, with some of their team leaders and HODs and uh, senior leadership team. Um, just to listen to their story and um, and how things are going for them at the moment. So we've got a few questions here. Um, I'll hand over to the team to introduce themselves and sit back and enjoy the next 20 or 30 minutes. Kia ora. Uh, kia ora, Alison Cleary, Deputy Principal um, running your High School. I say I've been here since um, 2012 and been part of a team that's been leading change around, in particular, junior curriculum at the school. Uh, kia ora, I'm Nicola Murdoch and I am a curriculum leader in the mathematics department. Um, I've also been a team leader for three years in various different teams within our um, Year 9 Ako hub system um, and I've been here for the last four years approximately, joined in as physics and then moved across, so yeah. Kia ora, I'm Jasmine Lyons, um, I am a teacher in the social sciences, um, I've been a part of the hub system since it started, um, I've been at the school since 2012 and have just come back from being on leave so I'm now part of a year nine hub system and have been a hub leader in the past as well. Kuda Scott Wright, Deputy Principal Innovative Teaching and Learning, I've been at the school since 2003 and Deputy Principal since 2010 and sort of very much working in conjunction with Alison around the, the, the changes. Uh, kia ora Nick Lahi, um, I'm a, a curriculum leader for physics um, and this is my third year teaching in the ACO program um, and my fourth year at the school. And soon to be acting Deputy Principal when yes. I go on leave. That's right, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Hey, so let, let's start. Who can give us an, just an overview and a bit of context about Rangiora at the moment and just in big picture terms, what's been going on with some of the change? Big picture. Oh. We've, I guess we've had uh, 10 interesting years to a degree. We've, we've uh, we had a period where we've been under statutory management. Uh, we had a period where we had uh, an, an acting principal and a commissioner and then uh, a newly appointed principal 18 months ago. And one of the things we were keen to avoid through all of that was that the, the change that we saw as part of our planning, uh, that, it, that it would continue, So the, the, you know, the, uh, especially around curriculum and building. Um, and to a degree we've been successful with that. Um, I guess the I do remember about five or six years ago we, we were looking at the junior, a, a particular um, couple of tasks in the junior program and, and there were four subjects that were doing a newspaper front page uh, for slightly different reasons and slightly different output but I, that was probably the moment that, that, that sort of told us that we could probably do this a whole lot better than we are. And at the same time we sort of became part of the Greater Christchurch Rebuild program and that was sort of happening at the same time. And so the fact that we're getting a new build is going to be quite different to existing classrooms was sort of a bit of a, a prod to make us look at how we could do these, how we could do the learning in the junior school in a different way. Um, and so that was, yeah, that was probably the part of that. Okay. So what? So so briefly, five years ago, Jasmine and another teacher co-taught a social studies science year nine program. The following year, four more volunteers co-taught a maths social studies program and an English social studies program. And then three years ago was our first look at all of the junior, what we would call core subjects being approached by a group of teachers together. 
English, Maths, Science, Social Studies, Health and PE. It's iterated since then, and this year we have still have those teams, but in a way to reduce workload, we've got the teams paired and set pairings, whereas last year and the year before, it was you could have been with anyone for your eight hours, not with no consistency. But um, yeah, that's okay. so it's a, a workload sort of like, and also getting collaboration, trying to get collaboration better is what we've tried to do this year. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so we'll get into some detail mm. really around the subject specialisms and the mm. sharing and the integration in a minute. Mm. Your new building, mm-hmm. um, which I may get to see in a minute, the I guess the tie-up between the new build and the new thinking, mm. um, along the same timelines or different timelines? Has one driven the other, or have they kind of developed together? I think we were probably thinking about curriculum before, but the building prompted us to really get on to okay. making that we could do through in terms of we weren't going to go back into that building and try and deliver things in the same way because mm. actually it doesn't lend itself to that very easily, okay. just the way the spaces are, yeah. are designed. Okay. And yeah. fair to say the focus on the innovation uh, 7 to 10? Nine, 9 and 10, 9, nine, 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 then 10. BYOD came in at the same time, so the first year of, of, the, year of the building and the first year of Year 9 fully connected program and BYOD all sort of came in together, which has been a challenge and a, mm. and a benefit and a challenge. We've, we've also got, we've got 19 contributing schools and a range of them um, yeah. at the time we're going through some rebuilds and, and, and opting for that sort of flexible learning environment. And so probably at the moment 60 or 70% now uh, have that. So there's Year 7s and 8s coming to us have experience in that environment. Okay. Uh, there's still a number that don't, but they tend not to be the, the larger numbers. So we we're well aware that you know the people, the year nines coming to us, were, were engaged and experienced in, in, in this style of learning. And having kids that age, myself, um, I, I sort of had an understanding of uh, what that was like for them too. Okay. All right, so let's have a chat with Nicola and Jasmine and Nick from the subject areas. Um, there's been a lot of change. It sounds like, you know, 10 years, five years building, uh, but innovation going on. Talk to us about what's been big change for you guys. Like, you know, the, the, just the big things for you guys. What's, what, what's been significant for you in your subject areas? Um, I'll start. I think, um, I think with science, there's been a shift um, in terms of the importance of content versus skills. Um, and, and it sort of has coincided a little bit with, with what's going on here. And, and there's been a shift away from content being what drives what we're trying to teach. Um, I, I see content more as the, the vessel that helps you to teach those skills. So to a degree, what we're teaching from a content standpoint is almost irrelevant. Um, it's the skills, the, the, their ability to analyze, their ability to, to have sort of a scientific discussion or to, to carry out practicals. That's kind of what's important. Um, and, and so with the changes, that's sort of what we're trying to, what we're trying to, to do. Uh, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I might just tag in on that. Uh, being from the mathematics background, um, it has been quite a difficult shift with our faculty in terms of moving away from skill assessments and moving into more integrated project type um, learning it does seem to be a subject that um, the teachers 
you know, have a really strong belief that these skills need to be taught as processes um, repetitively, you know, how kids are going, you know, how they're going to learn to recall this information, you know, if they don't get that kind of quiet, repetitive um, style of teaching. And so that shift has been quite challenging. But along the lines of Nick, I think um, you have to be mindful of the fact that, you know, where these students are going in the next five or ten years looks very different to what the workforce is now and what is actually required of them is those key competencies and using those skills um, in ways that actually allow them to solve problems rather than just a whole bunch of different skills um, that we're assessing them with no relevant context or purpose Mm. Um, and so that has been a really big shift uh, because I think there's a lot of preconceived ideas, I think, from the industrial area era <laughs> around, you know, you, everybody needs to be able to solve these algebraic questions. Everybody needs to be able to, you know, do these variety of different um, skills that we feel are important. But when you actually think about where this is used, you know, being numerate is important. Being able to tackle problems is important. Um, but actually knowing all of these different skills that we value as maths teachers might not actually be what is the most important for the student mm. um, coming out the end. And so I think that shift's been, yeah, in progress, I suppose. I think, I think it's, it's, it's a difficult thing because yeah. um, when you get up to NCA level two, Correct. level three, mm-hmm. they, they need to have that background. I know from yeah. a physics standpoint, if, if they're coming in and their algebra isn't good, if their trigonometry is not good, mm-hmm. um, that means that we're having to try and bring that up. So from that standpoint, I, 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 I get the hesitation mm. towards moving away from it. But, um, yeah. yeah, I think we just don't really know. Yeah. Maybe the key with that is, uh, you know, student identification because there are some students who will want that and some yeah. students who don't need Depending that. Yeah, hundred percent. So maybe the key with that is, and, and you know, the, and the danger with that is locking them into a path. Mm. Yeah, but, mm. but maybe the key is working out, okay, so... Do you need to know this level of algebra? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if not, why are we making you do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also think a really it's sort of that's come in the last three, four years, you know, every time there's an external paper that comes out and then there's this big news article that comes out afterwards saying that the maths teachers didn't prepare the students enough for the content that was being assessed in those assessments. And you sort of look at it and you think, yes, no, I didn't, you know, teach this exact context with this exact equation you know, in class because they get rewritten every year. Mm. But it's, I think, teaching the students to maybe tackle something they've never seen before, feel confident in giving a question a go that maybe uh, they haven't, they don't feel super prepared for. Um, All of those kind of confidence and skills, you know, I think are developed more when you give them free reign, well, not free reign, but um, an opportunity to sort of, do math in context or math in real life situations right where the numbers aren't perfect or situations aren't maybe something that you've seen before um i think some of those nca barriers actually could be broken down by developing those skills rather than being a little bit more rope learning because i know uh, yeah i just feel sometimes nca drives a lot of it but it shouldn't be that way you know it should be the skills being taught first and the key competencies being taught and first and then, yeah, yeah. you know, the NCA so sort of falls out of that. Uh, wanting to teach in a particular way, but the assessments are uh, assessing mm-hmm. different things or not necessarily yes. related. Mm-hmm. I, think, yeah. I think in theory, if, if we're teaching skills, we're teaching yes. the ability to problem solve, 
then, and if, if we're doing it properly, then they should be able to look at something that's mm -hmm. not the context that they learn yes. and apply it to yes. that. It's, it's just, that's a difficult, that's a really difficult thing to teach yes. a, a student to be able to say, okay, well, we're using this here, but now I want you to apply it to that. And they, they struggle, you yes. know. That's high level critical thinking. Yes, like, yeah. That's sort of the end goal for what yes. we're trying to achieve. But I think, like on the end of yours, but for social sciences in particular, the change probably hasn't been as significant, I don't think. I think our subject has allowed like an inquiry-based approach probably from the get-go um, in terms of what we look at and what you decide to do from year to year and how you do it. Um, there's quite a bit of freedom around that, but it is <coughs> really different for, for maths or for science who have had this quite stringent way, yeah, prescribed way of doing it. And for us, being in that hub system, the noticeable change probably came from those two subjects, probably more so than anything else. So I think for us it was more a, a case of, okay, we kind of were sort of doing a bit of that already. Um, how might that look in a different space, with different people, with different teachers from different subjects? And so different, yeah, different combinations yeah, different of people. Different combinations of people, um, and that idea of that collaboration with another subject or with other people um, is probably the biggest change mm. for us. So, um, yeah, personally, I, that's been really cool, actually, taking it out of just a social studies context and, and developing that idea with um, skills from maths or from science or whatever that may be, and English as well. So. so let's maybe pick up on that. Um, you know, I think I think the uh, some of the narrative out there is exactly as you've described it, Nick, and Nicola, mm -hmm. in terms of that change. And I, I think it's great that we've got a scientist and a mathematician in the room. Um, our experience is that um, not all, but typically the scientists and the mathematicians have found um, some of what we're trying to do difficult, mm -hmm. very mm -hmm. difficult, and some of the things that you articulate yeah. into the senior school, how do we manage? Mm -hmm. um, Scott, your response, time and place, how do we personalise that yeah. um, and make that happen? But let's move into, um, I guess, that notion that you were picking up, Jasmine, around the integration, really. Mm -hmm. So, in the, um, what you're finding valuable from a social sciences perspective, and then maybe get you guys' perspective on that as well. So you said that that's been the big change for you guys? Yeah, I think um, so. Um, I think it's actually been really kind of evaluated in that, um, f and especially this year probably being just English, being the sort of how we're integrating with the English um, department, looking at, I mean, I'm not sure how English is normally taught, but I guess <laughs> giving the skills that they learn through English, um, whether it's the type of writing or the way they're doing their reading, whatever it might be, um, giving it a context or giving it a sort of a home almost for the kids to see, oh, okay, this is how we can use that particular part in this sort of context or this 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 way. So I think for the kids, um, it's more a case of they're sort of doing it with almost like not even knowing it. So um, it's it's integrated in that way that they don't necessarily go, oh, okay, we're doing English. Mm. You know what I mean? So I think... That's been yeah yeah so it's it almost is like that so they will I mean they will learn the foundation of a particular skill if they've never come across it before obviously and that's taught in a certain way but in terms of that um, project based stuff or that inquiry stuff it moves into yeah we kind of integrate it that way so I think it's going alright and are they uh, like so you talked about normally um, a partnership with English yeah. Are you finding partnerships are spreading a little bit? Is that what you're inferring? Well, we've we've they the were spread. We've yeah. gone the other way around. Yeah. Like we yeah. we were more spread to start with, but this mm. year we've gone yeah. to a tighter pairing. Okay. Mainly because 
last year workload and um, yeah. collaboration was very. I wasn't teaching in year nine last year, but um, Nick, you were. Yeah, it well, was. It was. It was more challenging. Yeah. So it was really around trying to get collaboration working well with two, and then go back out to maybe four in the I future. Think, I think also we. I mean, originally when we we had started it three years ago. It had we had taken on sort of a, a lead teacher support mm. teacher, yeah, um, and so it may be my lesson as a lead teacher with science, and I may have an English teacher with me who's supporting, um, and which I mm. I think we're trying to shift away from that idea of lead and support, mm. um, and and probably the easiest way to do that is to to limit the number of connections that you have. So. If, if I'm a, as a science teacher, if I'm only working with one math teacher, then that gives me an opportunity that I can I can collaborate with them fairly easily. Whereas if I'm working with a math teacher for two lessons and then English for one and you know social studies for one and P for two, then you have to see a lot of different people and it can be a little bit challenging that mm. way. Okay. Yeah. So you've gone from broad and refined it back to. Mm. And those pairings are they self determined? Do the teachers use that or? Uh, Middle leaders and leadership choosing how those partnerships are. In terms created. of the subjects or the teachers? Ah, uh, subjects. No, we made a call on English social studies, okay. math, science, yeah. and even though in my heart I know that that will reduce rich connections that exist between social studies and maths and science and social studies yeah. and science and English, but this just in terms of the things that Nick talked about and staff yeah. workload and pressures, it was a really tough year last year. I think the other thing is that, that successful collaboration mm. is almost more dependent on the personalities of the yeah. teacher rather than the, the subject yep. that they come yep. from. Mm. And I think what <laughs> we were finding and one of the difficulties was that it was, you know, we were trying to, we were expecting, you know, successful and effective collaboration with people that didn't actually agree necessarily with what they were being asked to do, irrespective of subject. And, and so, as Alison says, we've lost some, you know, the social scientists who desperately want to work with a, sci a science teacher, for example, mm. and, and we understand that, but you know, but we're sort of going back to the foundation a little bit. However, in some in some teams, they've made those changes within the team. They've looked at their timetables and said, actually, we can make changes here within our existing timetable. One in particular has done, it, and I know one of the other ones is trying to. So they've actually broken those pairings themselves because they're they've got the ability within their current timetables of those four teachers. Not everyone has the luxury of a timetable that they can change around. But that's, yeah, so they've made quite significant changes, which creates other issues in terms of reporting, et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So before I go back to that integration mm. thing, with just uh, just the notion of identifying workload mm. and that it's there and you've, and you've addressed that. By mm. I think it's really important. I think it's really important mm. that you've done it. For your school, I think it's really important mm. that people hear that because it is an issue. Mm. I think with uh, you know different schools will experience different things based on their models, mm. but actually what you experienced was this actually. So mm. we're making that adjustment. I think that's important. And we've also yeah. added more time for team meetings into the meeting cycle. Yeah. So yeah, cool. Which, yeah. Nicola, mm. the integration for one of a better word, the collaborations. Yeah. How have those worked for you guys? Um, yeah. I've had a different experience every year yeah. um, which is good as you say so I think personalities has a huge impact um, on the effectiveness of collaboration and what sort of tasks are produced from that um, I do think by pairing back the number of teachers you were connecting with um, was a really smart move actually because um, I think the senior leadership made sure that 
not only was it reduced workload due to the different kind of content that you're connecting, but then also trying to match up pairs where certain strengths could help support one another and sort of develop or grow collaboration within the school. And that is challenging at times, but um, from my own personal experience, like there is definitely movement in that. And so gaining um, systems or you know, compromises in a collaborative team where people, you know, are sort of engaging that might have maybe not engaged previously. Mm-hmm. But sort of when you're only working with one person, um, it's easier to get that person on board, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to, to move them forward. Um, I find the math-science collaboration or connection um, between the two curri- curriculums really easy, probably because I have a background in both mm-hmm. science and maths. Um, so I can see those connections fall out um, really well. I think the challenge that we've had is um, teachers who maybe struggle with that ability to, to see those connections um, or feel like they don't have the confidence to run certain tasks that are maybe more connected because they don't have the background knowledge is probably our biggest hurdle. So I think it's actually a confidence thing around running connected um, collaborative tasks. Um, so I think they, the staff want to my department definitely wants to engage with this and they do try to engage with it but I think at the moment the the boundary that prevents some really good collaborative tasks being implemented at times is the confidence level in doing maths in a context that they're not familiar with or they don't feel confident in. So from a science teacher's perspective? Yeah, so like they don't really know enough of the science to feel like they can implement that task effectively. Yeah, sure. Um, So I don't really know how to... Well, I think it's as, as a... A pre-existing school where mm. we're trying to implement this mm. in there, you've got pre-existing staff mm. Yes, mm. Yeah. who all have their own thoughts and opinions mm. on what's I mean, if it's a brand new school, mm. you're only getting yeah. teachers applying who, who believe in the model. Mm. Um, but you don't necessarily have that um, with a pre-existing school. And, and so that, that, you know, it's mm. definitely a hurdle you have to try and get over. Um, my opinion on it would be that, you know, teachers want what's best for the students. And yeah. if they're resistant to it it probably is because they don't see how it works and it's it's one of those things where you know as as leaders who want to see this change we just need to be able to show them that okay in fact does work and Mm. this is what the model can look like and you know um yeah yeah and i i think honestly the first couple years where we were doing the lead teacher support Mm. teacher you know it's it's almost like you're just trying to teach 60 Mm. students Yeah. Um, like you've always taught six, 30 mm-hmm. students before and that's not really that effective so I think we're it's a step mm. certainly in the right yeah. direction um, and and you know we'll probably have more on board after this sort of seeing this model mm. yeah I think the point you raise or one of the things I hear is that trying to deliver in a conventional way in mm. the new building mm. is mm. difficult and oh, yeah. would, we would absolutely 100%. resonate that so I think it's a really good realisation can I just move back to Scott and Alison talk mm. about the resourcing so these guys are innovating trying different things um, <laughs> trying to see how it works what has been the thinking around um, I guess the changing of the resourcing or whether it's changed or not I don't know in terms of resourcing that to make to facilitate that for them um, to make it as you know as doable as possible. You talked about more teamwork meeting time before. Yeah, so the, um, this year in the meeting schedule there are more meetings for the learning teams in the meeting cycle. Initially, um, 
in, when the, in the first iteration, the 2017, the ministry gave us time, gave us some time to, re, to re, release the teams over the course of a year. Um, yeah, it's really hard to resource. <laughs> um, in the first year, we we, um, we asked the board for additional mm. funding for learning assistance. Yes. Uh, because we knew there was, you know, there was, we also shifted to a mixed ability model, so mm. without streaming. So, and, and I think the first 30, as we called them in the first year, I think we we're quite mm. well supported with a lot of time mm. uh, around that and, and, and worked, they worked very, very hard to make that work. In the second year, we had the first 30 plus the other 30 who have been standing by and watching it. With, and we didn't get the funding for that learning assistant time, and I think that was mm. that was the tough year. Mm. And there also wasn't enough meeting time built into no. the regular uh, meeting cycle. So I think last year, I guess from from Alison's and I, our mm. point of view, we probably didn't su provide the support that that the staff needed last year. Um, this year, I'd like to think that you know that we've listened a lot, and um, particularly from last year, uh, and and shifted that around. Uh, I know uh, we've been conducting a priority learners review at the moment, so I, I know one of the key factors in that is the cons consistent um, amount of time that a learning assistant is in a, a learning space. And in particular, the second part of that is the use of that learning assistant, because and maybe flipping it around so that they're, they're not necessarily you know, just working with our particular student mm. or our particular group. So. I think that's possibly going to provide a really good next step in terms of support in that, in that environment, particularly for uh, the lower ability students. In terms of like, you know, mechanical resourcing, I don't know what it's called, hard resourcing, you know, um, these people, if they're a team leader, they get one MMA, which is like, you know. <laughs> Not a lot. No, no, no Alison shaking her head with a wry smile. Um, um, and also in terms of um, the, the budgets for the teams came, so sort of like realised, I you know, hadn't really thought about in the first year, the teams needed monies to operate their group of 55 kids and their five teachers. And so we sort of had to claw back money from the curriculum budgets, but now that we've sort of got a system of the, each of each person responsible for a budget for their group, rather there was this a big bundle of money that they could dip into, well not big, but a bundle. This year they've got an individual bundle. Um, so we sort of tried to do that, um, but yeah, resourcing in terms of like recognition for people who are leading, or so, and, and and leading as a maybe a, a broad in the in a broad sense of the word. It's more coordination. Coordination. But it, is, it was good. The first year there was none, so the first thirty that sort of <laughs> dove in. Um, you got a badge. Yeah, we got a badge. I'm not really sure, but I, I, the I think that <laughs> because there was a bit, sort of a designated leader and some teams people stepped up into that role because they naturally were leaders or had that sort of mm. nous to do it but there were some teams that nobody chose to step up and then that created some issues in itself because then you've got a team that has no coordination occurring and therefore um, you know things like timetable mm. connections or just general minutes of meetings or organizing just a variety tracking of paperworks or tracking assessment or whatever was required was not being done and those teams were falling over. So I do think even though it's not a large amount of resource, um, allocating a team leader was definitely a really important step um, moving forward in, in that space because you do need someone to put up their hand with it they are getting the money for it or not to help coordinate that. Just in just in terms of also coordinate yeah. having 
one person that Scott or I might meet with as opposed to trying to, you know... The first 30 meetings. We used to have meetings with all 30 teachers the first year um, and we had a bit of funding for that, but yeah. Mm. I think... Long term, though, one of the resourcing frustrations is we've got a you know a lovely new building with some nice stuff in it, and you know the year mm-hmm. nines that's their that's their space, and then in year ten we want the model to continue, and uh, we put them in spaces that we've made the best that we can mm. uh, of, but they are not ideal, and we would love to you know invest in them you know heavily, and then uh, as Nick says, we need to think of year 11, 12 and 13 mm. and, and maybe just, you know, over the last couple of weeks there's going to be more changes there. We need to think about well, if, if, we've done, if, we've, if we believe in this model, how do we make sure we see that through so that at the end of year 13, as we talked about before, these students have all these things that we find really, really important. And some of that is to do with the curricular model and some of it is to do with the physical space that, that they are able to choose to be in uh, depending on the year level, and at the moment, I think we're we're maybe just a little bit restricted in what we can offer. Um, but it's also to do with the teaching, the the way the learning takes place. It's really yeah, gotcha. it's really interesting. I'm um, talking to some some teachers of year eleven, so the year elevens this year have had two years of a connected program, and um, some of the conversations have been around um, oh, that in the subject. But when I go, they're doing some other work. They're doing work for another subject. And um, I said, well, do they do they not hand you, are they not handing your work in? And I'm like, no, no, they ha- they've handed everything in. <laughs> and I'm sort of like, well, that's like it's it's sort of like the kids are making a decision that I've done this work, so I'm going to carry on with some other stuff, which is due somewhere else because they probably come through this model of not, mm. you know, that you know we've got a very fluid. You know, when this is finished, you carry on with this, or if you need to work on this, or these are the tasks that you need to do by the end of the day or whatever. Um, and so if they're taking that into year 11, that's a shift that is sort of, yeah, I don't yeah. know if anyone else, it's just yeah. a conversation I've and had I, with teacher. I have a year 11 this year, and a massive shift that I've seen, which I saw with those kids in year 9, because I had some of them in year 9, was those quiet leaders that would, you know, assist at the table that they were working at, or help out their neighbour, or help out their, their partner. That is a lot more evident in my year 11 cohort. You know, they don't rely on me as the sole bearer of knowledge in that classroom. You know, they are more than happy to ask their neighbour or ask somebody that they know is proficient in that subject to get assistance outside of me. And I think that is, you know, you're creating student leaders that may, may not have a badge or be, you know, on the stage on the stage at assembly but they are leading within their classroom and in their peer group and I value that um significant yeah it's a really good significant shift that I've seen yeah yeah resourcing is a hard one because I think teaching model changes buildings change um learning changes assessment should change uh resourcing stays the same so to me that's got to change too um as well and that and that's that is hard yeah Hey, I'm conscious of time, so uh, just finishing off, what would be your next steps if you were in charge here? So, given that I think by Scott's title it sounds like he's quite significant in leading the change, but anyway, if it was you, if you were leading the change, what would be your next steps? Do we need to leave the room? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I'm only joking. <laughs> I think... At this point, I think like, it's, it's a journey, and that's the biggest thing to take from it, is this is a journey that we're on. We're really, really early days. And I think for us, it's probably we're in a building phase here. We're trying to 
you know, navigate our way through this sort of difficult period where um, people are still, and teachers and students, are still developing skills needed to operate in this sort of new environment. And and it really is, there are lots of challenges, definitely, and, and if somebody says there aren't, then they're probably lying. But, um, th- you know, there are lots of challenges, but I think the thing is that people need to be aware of sort of where they're heading and be really clear about what they're trying to achieve. In, a, in an environment like that and I think for, for teachers and students alike developing um, their skills around um, doing things a different way and, and being confident to do things a different way and is a, it really needs to be kind of the next thing that is worked on I think and yeah, and I think, that can't be underestimated I don't think yeah and I think it, it, it's you know like you said it needs to be, it needs to be fluid um, and, and every year there's good aspects <laughs> and there's aspects that aren't probably working as well as we want them to yeah. and, and you need to be willing to say okay I really like that but maybe this we, we don't look to do like the lead support mm. teacher which, which we, we got rid of um, and so it's sort of it's learning from that I, there's, mm-hmm. I, you know this is my third year working with <coughs> the year nines, and um, it's it's by far been the most satisfying year working yeah. with them. I think yeah. there's been lots that has been really, really good that we can mm-hmm. take away from it and learn from. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyone else got a final word? Next I, I just want to point out, you know, it's, it's year three, and it's uh, uh, there's been huge change, mm-hmm. and we've, there's there's more to come, uh, and that's uh, that's all good. But it's also it's not a it's not a one man band or a one stop shop. It's um you know and you mentioned before that you know because of my title well no Alice and I work, you know hand in hand with mm. this, and it's also uh, outside of us because when you're looking at personnel and all sorts of other things you you need to be mindful of okay well, this is the model this is what we're seeing in in terms of changing to come and these are the sort of people that we need so there's a there's a huge range of people involved mm. in making it work. Mm. Alice and Nicola. Oh, I mean, oh, you go for it. Oh. No, you can go. I mean, my, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, ideally, I would, uh, you know, ideally, there would be a time where the timetable says these kids are in this space for however many hours. These these teachers are with them, and what goes on in that time is up to the teachers to put together not because it says a subject on the timetable or or even the students or even the students or the students yeah this is what my program is is. yeah i mean and that's that's a lot that's a lot of iterations away i think which means which means yeah that is the that's the holy grail (laughs) which is you know and for some you know and if you know um jasmine talked about a journey Mm. you know some people are further along the journey or the continuum um and others are willing to move along that continuum and others probably are there because they have to be um, and will only being move and being dragged along the continuum. But and I have huge respect for the, you know, we would, as Nicholas said, we were really deliberate about putting people together. Um, you know, some people wanted to go through with their year nines into the year 10 and, so, and that happened. Some people wanted their whole team to stay together and carry on because they were working so effectively. And we sort of made the call that, we wanted it has to spread, so you can't just have all the people who are super uber on the on the train, you know, on, on the carriage, at the front carriage, um, and leaving the last carriage behind. And what would it be like for those kids? So, you know, people didn't like maybe us, Scott and I, making those calls about those pairings and breaking those up. But um, 
the, the, the ultimate thing would be that everyone, it doesn't matter who they work with, it's going to be okay. And it's going to be okay for the learning, it's going to be okay for the students, it's going to be okay for the teachers, and that's sort of part of that holy grail, as you call it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And getting the community on board, just lastly, yeah. and, and parents, because that's been a big struggle. I mean, yeah. parents are you're so used to yeah. what it used to be like, so, you know, that's a challenge. Well, yeah, everyone's, a, everyone's an expert in education because yeah. oh, they've yeah. all been through it. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, we definitely get that pushback a wee bit in terms of our subject from the community, um, maths, numeracy, uh, they seem to, you know, every student needs to do it, needs to do it to a high standard and it's very valued, um, so they don't like to see change in that area. I would say something that we I would like to um, personally and hopefully um, in my department and in the school is work towards um, something along the line where students have more choice mm. um, or you know, it's more directed around the students. I think at the moment we're working on collaboration within the adults and the teachers, but I don't think um, mm. we're allowing enough of that collaboration to be co-constructed with our actual mm. yeah, tamariki. Mm. So I think um, that would be something along the journey that I'd like to see us try mm. and engage with more. Um, I think at the moment we're still trying to develop the skill set of the staff in certain areas or, you know, change it from that perspective. But um, mm. moving forward along this journey, I think students need to have a little bit more say and choice and representation in, in some of the decisions that we make. Mm. So that mm. would be my sort of next step, I think. Okay. Mm. Hey, look, I'll up there because um, we've just checked over the, the 30 minutes, which mm -hmm. I think is about right. Um, can, I, can I just thank the five of you for, for your time, um, but also your honesty and frankness in, in sharing the story. As I said at the start, I think there are a lot of people around New Zealand who want to hear the story um, and see how it aligns with theirs and, and some of the things that don't. Um, I would hope that it's the start of a conversation between you guys and maybe some other schools, mm -hmm. either in Canterbury or outside of Canterbury, because that's where the richness really happens. So thanks for your time. Thank you. Uh, we'll post this in the next few days. Thanks. And we can hide from it. Oh. <laughs> Oops. Yeah.